John chapter number 3, a very well-known but yet powerful passage of the Word of God. Tonight, from this passage, especially the 16th verse, I want to bring a message tonight on the greatest gift that's ever been given. I remember one year when mom and dad was in Virginia, me and Julie and the kids, we took off after church one Sunday night. We got there. Mom's listening tonight. She always listens. In fact, mama go to her church and listen to our services. Her second pastor, Dr. Lawson, don't know that, but go get a mama. And she also sends her tithes to our church. But we went up there one year and mama was giving out Christmas presents. And I got some ladies' underwear. Julie got something that belongs to a man or something, some kind of shotgun shells or something. And my mama had all the gifts but the wrong names on the boxes. But that's better than the year before. One year she bought a bunch of presents and put them up, and she never found them until she moved several years later. That actually sounds like something Mama Roy may have done at one time. Only a redneck will buy Christmas presents and hide them and never find them until you. But if you've ever moved, and then don't tell him what you might find when you move. But I, we always love to get presents. My daddy used to tickle me with this one. Now, youngins, I don't want y'all to get me nothing. Just love me and come to see me. And he'd have been, John, he'd have been the first one that got mad if he hadn't had a present under that tree. He'd have said, nobody cares about me anymore. But man, we all grow older and we think, you know, that's just for kids. And I understand. But I do remember some wonderful gifts that I got. I remember the first bike I got. I wrecked it the very day I got it. Sounded like one of Joanna's cars. (laughs) We had to have our own in-house wrecking crew. And I remember the first shotgun I got. I remember just several... And I'm sure in your mind there's a gift that stands out, a wonderful gift. But I believe tonight the greatest gift ever been given and the greatest gift that's ever been received is the gift of God that brings eternal life. And how did God bring to a bunch of destitute, degenerate, depraved sinners like us The wonderful gift of salvation. Well, I believe it can be found tonight in the Gospel of John, chapter number 3. I believe we'd be amiss if we didn't start at verse number 14 and read down through verse at least number 18. John chapter 3, this is a personal sermon that he has given to Nicodemus, but it's recorded in God's Word for all of us tonight. John chapter 3, verse 14, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It's talking about the cross. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Here's the greatest gift tonight that has ever been given. Verse 16, For God so loved, the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, 
If you have the habit of writing in your Bible, put in parentheses, me. Because whoever reads that, it's for you. Our church don't believe like, well, you know, this one can be saved and that can't be saved. And, you know, he died for this one, but he didn't die for that one. And he chose this one, but he didn't chose that one. No, no, no. Whosoever. That's you. That's me. That's anybody that reads this verse. Now, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not on him is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I believe the Bible makes it plain in these verses that Jesus is the source of our salvation. Faith in Jesus Christ is the source, the fountain, the foundation of our salvation. But I believe tonight it can all be summed up in verse 16. Then the greatest gift that has ever been given. And what is the greatest gift that's ever been given? The Lord Jesus Christ. And why would God give you and I somebody as wonderful and precious as the Lord Jesus Christ? I promise you tonight it's not because we had merited it. It's not because that we deserve it. It's definitely not because we would ever be able to buy it or earn it. It is wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in the love of God. No one of the songwriters said, Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forever more endure the saints and angels' song. They said the last line of that verse was inscribed on the wall of a prison. Some prisoner inscribed this last verse on the wall and the writer found it and incorporated it in his song. I, I don't know who wrote the verse. I don't know if it was a prison. I don't know who it was. But whoever it was had an understanding of how small we are, but yet how big God is. If we would think the ocean field, and though the sky was of parchment made, and every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above, well, glory, would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. That's just a simple way of saying the love of God is so big and powerful and awesome that you really can't sing about it, you really can't write about it, you really can't preach about it, you really can't shout about it to cover it all. But even though it is unexplainable, it can be experienced. I'm glad that great song we learned as a child is more true today than it ever has been. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells us so.
I'm so glad that my Father in heaven tells in the wonderful book that he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see, but this is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me, now safe am I. It doesn't say that church membership lifted us. It doesn't say that water baptism lifted us. It doesn't say that good works lifted us. But it says love lifted me. Love lifted me. Listen to this line. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. The greatest news that anybody has ever heard that God loves you and he sent Jesus for you. And aren't you glad the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I wonder if you would agree with me tonight, that is the greatest gift that's ever been given. And hallelujah, it's the greatest gift that's ever been received. And the greatest tragedy that anyone would ever commit was to reject that greatest gift that's ever been given, salvation through God's Son, God's love, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look tonight at John chapter 3 and verse number 16. And I want to break down this little verse in five divisions and show you the five dimensions of the greatest gift that has ever been given. First of all tonight, write down this word down. I want you to see the origination of this gift. I've often heard a gift can only be as great as the one that gives it. I don't have any problem tonight giving you $20. In fact, tonight I've been blessed this day. Somebody gave me some money. and There's a couple of people in this room, not many, but I could give several of you $100. But ladies and gentlemen, it is totally impossible for me to give my son and my daughter, whom I love more than life itself, or my wife, who I'm so grateful for that we're going to celebrate her birthday tomorrow. But as much as I love them, it is totally impossible for me to give them a million dollars. I would love to give them a million dollars. Joanna could spend a million dollars. And some think of all the guns and the hunting trips and the four-wheelers we could have with a million dollars. Julie, I love you more than life itself. I tell you every day how beautiful and wonderful you are. And I, I love you and I appreciate you. But it's totally impossible for me to give the people that I love a million dollars because I don't have a million dollars to give. But tonight, God, hallelujah, could give you and I eternal life because he is the eternal God. 
Tonight God could give you and I holy salvation because he is the holy son of God. And tonight God could express and exemplify his love to you and I for love is God and God is love. Therefore the origination of this gift, this gift of God, salvation, it it did not originate in the mind of a depraved sinner. It did not originate at a council of religious heads. It it did not originate from the fountain of people trying to do their best. No, this greatest gift that has ever been given originated from the sovereign God of heaven and God alone. For the opening phrase of verse 16 tells you where it originated. You ready? For God. He didn't say for the church. He didn't say for the Baptists. He didn't say for the white people. He didn't say for the rich people. He didn't say for the religious people. He didn't say pastor, author, or pope, pastor, fourth. It says for God. For God. For God. Say that with me. For God. Ladies and gentlemen, can I remind you this gift of God originated in the heart of a sovereign, holy God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not preaching tonight what religion gave. I'm not preaching tonight what good works can produce. I'm telling you, it came from heaven. It came from God. It originated from God for God. And I love the next two words, so loved. When we throw that little word so in front of a word, it means to the extent of. God is not just great, but he is so great to the extent of. God is not just good, but he is so good to the extent of. And can I remind you, God just didn't love, but he so loved. He loved to the extent of. I'm glad his love goes beyond our past. It goes beyond our sin. It goes beyond our depravity. It goes beyond our faults and our failures. I'm glad it's to the extent of, for God so loved. This wonderful gift of God originated from the heart of a loving God to the love to the extent of. What extent did God go to to express his love? Here it is, that he gave his only begotten son. You say, how far did God go with his love? How far did God go with this manifestation of mercy? How far did God go in giving us this thing called eternal life? He went as far as any man could go that he gave his only begotten son. I'm glad tonight for the origination of this gift for God so love. Number two, notice in this text, the object of this gift. Who did God lavish this love upon? Well, it says in my text tonight, for God so loved, watch these next two words, the world. 
You know what the object of this love was? You know the object in which God shared this great love? The world. The world. You can't go to any part of the world and outrun the love of God. You can't preach the love of God to the wrong person. You can't witness to somebody that Jesus didn't die for. You will never give the gospel and witness to someone that was not the object of God's love. For God so loved the world. Have you ever held a globe in your hand? Have you ever went up to a globe and just spun it and watched it turn on that globe? There is no place on a globe you can put your finger that's beyond the reach of God's love. As far north, as far south, as far east, as far west, and everybody in between. For God so loved the world. You know, Jesus said, you and I, that a human can't love two masters. Because we'll love one and hate the other. But God's not limited by the sinful nature that you and I have. He's sovereign. He's omnipotent. He's almighty. And listen to this. He can love everybody at the same time with the same volume of love. Let me tell you something that will humble you. Everybody didn't live a wicked life before they got saved. Some of us had a daddy. If we'd have lived a wicked life before we got saved, we'd have died an early death. But there's people that lived a very wicked life before they got saved. And if you're here tonight and you lived a very, very vile, wicked life before you got saved, God loved you as much then as he does now and as much now as he did then. And he loves you and he loves me with the same. I have never been what they call out in the world. I've never been drunk. I've been high on the Holy Ghost a couple of times. But I've never been a druggie. I've never been a doper. I didn't live that kind of lifestyle. But God loves them as much as he loved the lost preacher's boy that grew up in a church teething on the back of a pew and using a songbook as a rattler. For God so loved the world. You can't go farther than the love of God. You can't go wider than the love of God. You can't go deeper than the love of God. For what is the depth and the breadth and the length and the height of the love of God? I just say this tonight. It is a limitless love. It is an unconditional love. It is a love that has no boundaries, no limits, no borders, no limitations. For God so loved the world. That's the origination of the gift. The object of the gift. For God so loved the world. Number three in this verse, write this down, the offering of this gift. As God was given this great gift, what was the offering? For God so loved the world that he gave. Who did he give? Listen to this. 
It's important. His only begotten Son. Let me lay something on you tonight. That's the foundation of our Christian faith. For if God would have just given any son, any son would have done. Adam was a son of God. Enoch was a son of God. Abraham was a son of God. I'm a son of God. If you've been born again, you're a son of God. But God didn't give Abraham. God didn't give Noah. God didn't give Moses. God didn't give you. God didn't give me. He gave his only begotten son. And that little phrase, only begotten, means the only one of its kind. Man, the world looks at us Christians that believe in the virgin birth. And they say, wait a minute. According to the birds and the bees. I'll never forget when my daddy was going to give me that talk before I got married. He said, son, are you ready to talk about the birds and the bees? I said, sure. What do you want to know about it, dad? But according to the birds and the bees. They say a man or a child, they say a child can't be born without the aid of a mama and a father. That's our birth. And that is true biologically. It takes the, a seed of a man and a woman to have a child. So therefore, because of that, they say we can't believe in the virgin birth because it's a biological impossibility. My answer is this. Have you ever read about a guy named Adam? He didn't have no mama nor no papa. God reached down in the earth and made clay and breathed in that clay the breath of life and he became a living soul. So therefore, if God can reach down in virgin clay and breathe into that virgin clay the breath of life and that piece of virgin clay become a living soul, God the Holy Ghost can breathe in the womb of a virgin and bring forth His only begotten Son, holy, separate, undefiled, the only kind of spotless lamb that was qualified enough to save our soul from a devil's hell. What is the origination for God? I love that, don't you? It originated from God. What is the object for God so loved the world? What is the offering that he gave his only begotten son? Number four, write this word down tonight, the opportunity of this gift. What was the opportunity that is presented? Well, look in the text. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him. That is the opportunity. What opportunity did God present to man with his greatest gift? That whosoever would believe on him. That's why I got them to sing that song a couple of extra times. Think about that course. Who do you think would believe such a thing? And did you get the last line of it? Well, here's hoping to heaven you do. You say, what do they mean by that last phrase? Here's hoping to heaven you do. Because if you go to heaven when you leave this world, you can't go unless you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Our church, we knock on doors. We pass out tracts. We 
We support missions. We do everything we can to get a lost world saved. And I was in a meeting the other day, and I just mentioned that during the summer, Joe Motes led a a soul-winning summer. We knocked on, this little church knocked on 5,000 doors in our community. You say, what's the good about that? There's 5,000 homes that's had a gospel witness. And how many have wished somebody to come to your home before they did? And I just made that statement in a meeting. And I had a fellow say, are you one of them screen door evangelists? I, I wanted to say, are you one of them people that got dropped on their head when they was a baby? But I was nice. He said, are you one of those, listen what he said, are you one of those easy believers? Now, number one, I never heard of a believer. I didn't, that must be an Alabama term, John. Don't, no, that's a Mississippi term right there. But I said, what do you mean? Oh, I know what you, you, you just, you want them easy believisms. I said, sir, let me tell you something. And I'm going to say this in a Christian spirit. And then when I walked away, I went, I said, but I don't say this in a Christian spirit. It ain't hard to believe. It ain't hard to be saved. It's not hard to accept Christ as your Savior. Let me tell you what the hard part is tonight. Swallowing your pride and admitting you a sinner and realizing that Christ and Christ alone can save you. That's the hard part. And brother, you ever get to that part, beyond that part, the rest of it is not hard at all. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I remember back in the 80s, we had these jackets. And I don't know how some people just come up with something and everybody wants one. I've been preaching the gospel for 45 years and I'm trying to give it to everybody and some people won't take it. But I remember in the 80s, there was a little jacket we had. Some were red, some were blue, some were black. And it had written on the, on the little pocket, members only. You know you're old if you remember that. And you know you're old if you remember having one. John, I can't begin to tell you the people, especially the older people at that time. You know, there comes a time in your life when you realize all them people you made fun of, you are now one. And I can't tell you the people that stop me and say, what is that? What is that? Remember someone, what club is that? What club is that? How do you get into that? I said, somebody just got to give you one of these jackets. I thought about getting me a designer jacket. Nobody would buy it. But I thought about getting me a designer jacket and putting on the pocket, believers only. Because the only ones that are saved are believers only. The only ones that has forgiveness of sin is believers only. The only ones that's going to go to heaven and miss hell when you die is believers only. 
I think I read it in the text very boldly, very vividly, very, very undeniable in the text. He that believeth on the Son hath life. He that believeth not the Son. And water baptism being confirmed, church membership is not even in the passage. And I'm not knocking water baptism. I'm not knocking church membership. All of those things are necessary and wonderful in their right place. But ladies and gentlemen, may I remind you, you can be baptized in water to your skin wrinkles and have your name on every roll of every religious society. But unless there's a time in your life when you believed and received Christ, that's salvation. And that's the opportunity that whosoever believeth on him. Can I ask you what they said in the song a while ago? Who do you think would believe such a thing? I do. Do you believe tonight? Have you trusted Christ tonight? The origination of the gift, for God so loved. The object of the gift, the world. Oh, the offering of the gift that he gave his only begotten son. The opportunity of the gift that whosoever believeth on him. And then notice number five in the text tonight, the outcome of this great gift. Look in verse 16. What is the outcome? That whosoever believeth in him. And I like the first line. Should not perish. But have everlasting life. Do you see how the Holy Spirit paints the contrast? Perish everlasting life. Perish everlasting life. Perish everlasting life. And right smack dab in the middle of perish and everlasting life is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's the only reason why we will not perish. And he's the only reason why we'll have everlasting life. You know me, I love words. I I love to study words. Look at that word perish. That word perish means to lose the quality. Have you ever gone out to pick apples? And all them old apples is on the ground and you step on them. They're still apples, but they're perished. They've lost their quality and well-being. By the way, when the eternal God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, man became an ever-living soul. You say, hallelujah, preacher, since I got saved, I'm going to live forever. You're going to live forever before you got saved, but it ain't in heaven. So therefore, men and women and boys and girls that die without Christ, they don't cease to exist. They exist. They, they, they are alive forever, but not well quality, not well being. They have perished. They're lost forever without God. But on the other hand, not perish but have everlasting life. Have you noticed in verse 15, he said eternal life. Come down to verse 16, it's everlasting life. You say they must be the same. No, they're uniquely different. Eternal is an unmeasurable state of time. 
It's life that has no end. But everlasting is an unchangeable state. Not only are we going to live forever, but the quality of that life will never change. In other words, I'm saved today and I'll be saved tomorrow and I'm the same saved because I have everlasting life. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. I'm glad I'm going to be in the glory world. But it's not because I deserve it. And it's not because I bought it. And it's not because I've earned it. It's because I have received and believed Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm glad it originated in the heart of a loving God and God made it available to whosoever will. I read this little story one snowy, cold Christmas Eve. Downtown London, a little newspaper boy was trying to sell his papers, but everybody was interested in hurrying to get to the house for their festivities or whatever. And he lived on the street. And he had eaten in days and was wet and cold. He went up to a policeman and he said, Sir, I sleep most of the time in a little box in the back alley, but man, I had eight in days and slept in days and I'm cold. Do you know where I can find a place, a warm place to get a meal and spend the night? He said, son, go to that big white house and knock on the door. And when they answer it, you just say, John three sixteen. That's all you got to say, just say, John 3, 16. So little Timmy made his way to the house and knocked on the door and the lady opened it up and he went, John 3, 16. She said, come on in, son. She wrapped him up in a warm blanket and put him in front of a big uh, roaring fire. And as he sat warming by that fire, he said, John three 16. I've never heard it and I don't understand it. But it sure does make a cold boy warm. She said, son, would you like something to eat? He said, would I? She took him to a table. Man, there was all kind of goodies. And he ate and he ate and he ate like only a boy can do. And while he's eating, not from the garbage cans of London, but while he's dining at this table, he says, John 3.16. I've never heard it and I don't understand it. But it sure does make a hungry boy fed. She said, son, how long's it been since you had a warm bath? He said, I usually get my bath from the fire extinguishers or the fire hoses. She said, come here. She put him in the table in a big old tub of, a tub of water with the bubbles and all of that. And as he's soaking in that table, he says, my, John 316, I've never heard it and I don't understand it, but it sure does make a dirty boy clean. Got him out of the tub. She took him upstairs and laid him down on a beautiful bed, a mattress, a pillow, and a blanket. Tucked him in real good, kissed him on the cheek, said a prayer with him. And as he lay there looking up in the ceiling, he said, my, John three 16, I've never heard it and I don't understand it, but it sure does make a tired boy restful. In the morning, he got up She took him downstairs, set him in front of that fire. 
and said, son, do you know what John 3.16 is? He said, no, ma'am, I just heard about it last night. She said, well, let me read it to you. And she took down a Bible and turned to John chapter 3, verse 16, showed him God's simple plan of salvation. And little Timmy believed Christ, believed the gospel, got saved, became a great preacher of the gospel. They said, after ye prayed the sinner's prayer and trusted Christ, the lady said, little Timmy, you got anything you want to say? He said, yep. John 3.16. Today is the first time I've ever really understood it. And I just want to say, not only did it make a cold boy warm and a hungry boy fed and a tired boy rested and a dirty boy clean, it made a lost boy saved. Aren't you glad one day, like little Timmy, we sided with God against ourselves and received the greatest gift that's ever been given. And that is God's Son through God's love, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together tonight, our Heavenly Father. We thank you.